Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Because on With Wit, very little is off limits. Subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing conversations to come. New episodes of With Wit are available every Tuesday on all platforms. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, trying her mostest, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. All right, everyone, welcome back. Today's episode is going to be spicy. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be a conversation that we've never had. And I don't know that I ever would have thought we were going to, but I'm so stoked because this woman I have followed on Instagram for years. She's always kind of been in this fitness and body realm, and I've always really loved and respected her. And then in the last little while, things shifted and we started to see this relationship conversation come into play. And it wasn't just a relationship conversation. It was so much bigger. So please welcome Joe and Carcian. Oh, I already can't say it. Joe? I'm just going to say Joe. Just say you Joe. say your last name. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> what up, you guys? It's Joe Encarnacion. You guys might know me as GoFit Joe. And like Sarah said, I'm super excited to have this conversation. I'm excited to be here. It's an honor to have this conversation because I think so many of us don't know whether or not we're able to actually explore conversations like this when it comes to relationships and what that might look like as it opens up and as it evolves and as it changes. So yeah, I'm really stoked. As it opens up and as it evolves and as it changes, that is a very gracious way to step into what we are going <laughs> to talk about. So I'm going to let you kind of kick this off because... I feel like I'm putting everyone on a cliffhanger, but they're going to see it from the show notes, what we're talking about. But I don't even know that I fully know when this started, how this started, and when we started beginning this conversation and when it all began for you. So I kind of want you to take the floor. Tell us your story, this relationship story. And as we kind of talk about polyamory. Yeah. Um, Well, I mean, if we think about where it all started, we could probably go back to maybe when I was 
18 or 19, when I first started getting into more serious relationships and trying to understand myself in relationships. And one of the biggest things that I remember when I was younger was how there was such a double standard for women to step into their sexuality and for men to just basically boast about it where Mm. women were unable to express their sexual desires because if they were, they were slut-shamed, they were whores, they were whatever, whatever. Like, they were were just slut-shamed about it. Yeah, absolutely. I remember being younger and I just was like, well, what's wrong with a woman exploring multiple partnerships or multiple relationships? And I even remember having those thoughts and having those conversations at such an early age. And immediately I was shut down by both men and women saying things like, what the fuck? Why would you think that way? That's Mm. how a woman should think. And if you think that way and you want to have multiple partners, you're a slut. And I just was like, well, I don't get it. How come men can have that? Why do men Mm. have the ability to explore these thoughts? And he's considered like a pimp or courageous or whatever. But when a woman does it, it's completely the opposite. Like she's completely shut shamed and she's told that she's bad or dirty or, you know, whatever. And so for me, like at that age, I shut down a lot of those conversations because it was just ones where it just wasn't safe to even have them. And so over time, like my husband and I, we are, we're together for the last like 18 years, been married for the last 12. Like we are in, we were in a very happy monogamous relationship until about maybe 2018 when I started to peel back the layers of my own sexuality, of like trying to understand myself, of trying to reconnect myself with my sexuality. And I guess what I mean by that is like I had, a, I had our daughter at 21. Mm-hmm. I had our first daughter when I was 21. And I think what happens to a lot of women, and I know this happens, this happened to me, is that once I had a daughter, once I became a mother, it was almost like you shut off that part of yourself that is a sexual creature. Yes. And it's so wild how much that's like perpetuated too. It's like moms can't be sexual beings. I'm like, how did you think we became moms? Right. But <laughs> I had the same, I was also a mom at 21, had the same feelings and experience. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, you know, I remember even being in conversation with girlfriends of mine and wanting to talk about sex as a mom. And it was almost just like, you don't talk about this. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, it, I was always the odd woman out because here I am trying to understand my sexuality, trying to understand sex. And then it was almost like, well, you don't ever discuss it. That's just not what you mm-hmm. do as a mom. And so in 2018, because I had experienced sexual trauma when I was eight and 15 years old, I'd done a, a lot of work to work through that with therapists and in my interpersonal relationships. And in 2018, it was like, okay, well, how do I reconnect this part of me that has felt so amputated? Mm. Like sexual creature that wants to explore sex with my partner, but then also just explore myself in, in, in my own sexuality. And so that's kind of how it started in terms of just like, what does it look like for females to own their pleasure? What does it truly mm. look like to own their pleasure? And in a conversation between my husband and I in 2018, because we were going through like I like to refer to this as the, the, es- the relationship escalator where you just kind of hop on a relationship and you go and you go into like one level and all of a sudden you're like married and all of a sudden you have kids and all of a sudden yeah. you look around, you're like, wait, what, 
what the fuck? Where, where are we? Like, who are we? Yeah. Where are we? Yeah. And why are we going through this kind of disconnect within our relationship? And why are we there? And one of the biggest reasons that we discovered as to why that was the way that it was or why we're hitting against these road bumps was because we were no longer becoming radically honest and radically transparent with each other. Mm. And I think this happens in a lot of relationships where you kind of get into a state of complacency because you're with someone for so long and you're just like, whatever, like I know their inner world, but I don't really know their inner world. And Mm. in 2018, I like looked at John and both he and I committed to each other of just like, you know what? The reason why we're hitting all these like miscommunication issues is that we're not communicating transparently. We're assuming Mm -hmm. each other's needs. We're assuming each other's thoughts. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we decided that we would do a lot of the emotional work to learn about ourselves internally. And then we committed to being fucking brutally honest. So in 2018, he asked me like, what is the one thing that you've never told me in the last 16 years we've been together? And I was like, oh shit, well, there's this one thing. And if I tell you this, this is going to reshape our entire relationship. And if I tell you this, oh fuck, like, are you going to leave me for this particular thing? Mm -hmm. So when he'd asked me that night, I was like, well, I don't know if I believe in monogamy. And it was Mm -hmm. like, well, what the fuck? We've been monogamous for 16 years now. Yes. Yes. What do we do with this? And so for about a month, we talked, talked it over and over and over again of just like, what is this truth? What are you wanting to explore? Why do you believe in non-monogamy, et cetera? And one of the things that I told him was like, I deeply believe that relationships are the gateway for us to understand who we are as an individual. And what I'm seeking in terms of non-monogamy are connections that are deeply intimate. Could there be a potential aspect of a physical part? Maybe, but I'm not looking to fuck around. Like I'm not looking Mm -hmm, for just mm -hmm. open sex. And, you know, for a lot of the listeners, like ethical non-monogamy has so many different levels of it. And there's like levels where people explore ethical non-monogamy for kink. People will explore ethical non-monogamy to just simply hook up with other people, be in physical connections. There's, you know, couples will either try swinging, which is when you swap with each other's like partners. And neither of those were the things that I was looking for. What I was looking Mm -hmm. for were deep, intimate connections. And so John was actually the one who was like, well, I think what you're looking for is polyamory. I'm like, oh, okay. That's which is so, the second you hear poly, you immediately go to polygamy, which is different, right? It's totally different. So polygamy is the practice and or lifestyle of having multiple wives or or spouses. Mm -hmm. And polyamory is the practice of having more than one intimate romantic relationship. Okay. And so when you were saying that you were having these conversations with him, how did that start? Like you said it very, like we just started having these dive, but let's be real. Like, was he upset? Was he shocked? Was like, how did that actually go down? Because we have to remember when we're talking about this, we're in a different realm where like these conversations weren't even really like in behind the scenes and behind the, the, you know, in closets of society, they've maybe existed, but we've never known of them. I've never known of them until you started talking about it. And I think it's maybe important to hear how these kind of conversations might actually go down. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I think we both were shocked because yeah. for me, it was like, 
I'm coming out with something that could potentially destroy my world. It could potentially destroy my relationship because if this is not something that we can work through together, then we we were not going to see eye to eye whatsoever on yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. And at first it was a shock. And then I think it was like, okay, well, let's let's both take a step back and think about what it is that not only what we're seeking in this or what Joe's seeking in this or what we're both seeking in this, but like, how can we, how did we get here in the first place? How did we get here in the first place where the conversations aren't something that, you know, aren't able to explore, you're not able to explore with partnerships, within partnerships. And I think Mm -hmm. like our first kind of exploratory of it was just like, what is compulsory monogamy? Like, what is it when you just compulsively believe that relationships are just supposed to be monogamous and that's all there is? And so, yeah. And like a lot of people have like, you know, religious ethics or or kind of guidelines for their life that maybe guide those decisions. But there's a lot of people who don't fall within that too. So it's almost like a societally placed ideal, right? 100%. So for us, it was the conversations were a lot of unraveling. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I think about like the current state of, the world culturally right now and how we're doing so much unlearning about racism and how to be anti-racist and like unlearning so many things. Unlearning so many things. And realizing how so many of the systems, societal systems that we've been placed into has really fucked up like how we approach life and how we think Mm -hmm. about love. And and that's what it was for us. And, And just like I think... I guess like the best way for me to empathize or like to to be able to have people empathize the type of conversations that we had, it's almost similar to the awakening of like white people realizing, holy shit, we must have been really, really racist. You know, or like the, the systems mm-hmm. that we were in are like really yeah. holding us back from being able to see each other in a way where it is inclusive and it is diverse, right? So similar to pride, right? Like we don't really know what people are struggling with or how they're kind of functioning. And now there's like one thing I've really noticed, especially with the conversations around pride is that we all grew up being like, you were straight or you were wrong. Like there was kind of like that little bit of like, that's kind of how it played out. So when I grew up, there wasn't a lot of openly gay people around me in my life. It was like in adulthood, you started to discover that some of your friends from high school were, but you didn't grow up that way. And you didn't really even emotionally or mentally explore if that was something you were ever interested in. It just was like, there was those who knew. And now we're starting to realize there's a lot of people living in that gray area that they're like, I actually don't know. Like I actually, I am attracted to both. And so it's it's just almost like we've had our minds closed. What if we're peeking them open a little bit? What does that look like? How much has been shaped by society? When we talk about polyamory, like this isn't new. This is like this has been here to for the beginning while. of time, <laughs> yeah. the actual beginning of time. This is not a new conversation. It's not something that we in the newer generations have invented. It's, it's existed forever, forever, literally. So it's just one of these things now where, and to be honest, you're the first person I've ever seen openly talk about it. Like the first person that's beyond like polygamy that we've seen play out in TV shows. First time I've ever seen it be talked about. So Take us where it's gone from those conversations. So what was next? Well, like after that, it was like, okay, well, are you interested in somebody? And I was like, well, actually I am. There's this there's mm. this man that I'm interested in. And I think like this could be a really safe way for us to explore this because he understands 
polyamory. He's been in non-monogamous yeah. relationships for the last five or six years. Okay. I love my conversations with him. He used to be a client of mine and I had no romantic or physical interest in him when we were, when we were working together professionally. And so it just kind of like one thing led to the next. And it was just like, well, let me just explore what the conversations look like. Wow. Okay. I'm actually attracted to this dude. And so once John and I kind of figured out a little bit of just like, what does this look like? What does this mean? Okay. You're not trying to replace me. That's clearly not the case here. You're just trying to expand your, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but like expand your resources and get your needs met differently. Mm -hmm. Because one of the things that I've discovered for myself, and like you mentioned earlier, We've known each other on the internet for some time. And I'm pretty sure you've experienced the same thing too, where you go down the road of fitness or anything of like self-improvement, right? And it's like a Pandora's box of self-discovery, of like trying Mm -hmm. to figure out who the fuck you are as a woman. What are the things that you really, really enjoy? What lights you up? And in that moment of discovery, I realized like I just really love in-depth like conversations that are intellectually stimulating. And my husband, John, can definitely provide that, but he provides it to a certain level. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful and that's fine. And while I think it's great that we're both working to a place where he can get to that place, I'm just the kind of woman who literally like all my books lately have been all about history and trying to figure out all these little things because that's just who I am and that's who who I'm becoming. And so in that discovery, I realized that another partnership or relationship that provides that is actually really nourishing to my whole being in general. Mm -hmm. And so we started to explore, met this guy named Chris, who's my partner now, and he's been my partner for- He's got the best Instagram handle. It's literally (laughs) Chris. Like, he also- um, Sidebar, that was exciting (laughs) for me to see. Well, he also invented the hashtag. So that's also what he did. (laughs) We couldn't have, That's our, so cool. couldn't have our jobs without his invention. So wow, eh? like fantastic. But yeah, we we started to just kind of explore this really beautiful, deep relationship. And although it's been rocky in the beginning, because it was like, mm-hmm. what do we do with all this? Right. And in the beginning, you're working through a lot of like jealousy. You're working through a lot of trying to express your needs, trying to not know how to express your needs. I mean it was a rocky start, but you know, now I think a year and a half later, especially after our girls found out in December, it's been, Mm -hmm. it's been pretty smooth sailing for the most part. So let's get into the other parts of it because you are practicing polyamory. What about the guys? What about John and Chris? Are, are they also practicing that in their own world? Is that something that they're interested in? Because I know that that might be a confusing part of it. Cause then it's like, how many people are involved in this? Because I've seen and I've witnessed that John and Chris have actually become, they're actually in their own little relationship as well. Yeah, they have a really great friendship. So my our relationship structure is like, it's not what, you know, typically is called like a thruple or like a triad, which thruples, mm-hmm. I, I, from what I understand, some poly people like hate the word thruple. So like, don't ever call them that or like triad, yeah. but it's a descriptor to just like, just state that like it's in a triangle. In my relationship, it's basically a V. So I'm the apex of it and the guys are in a relationship with me romantically and physically, but they are not in a romantic or physical relationship with each other. They have a very deep friendship, but they definitely are not, they're straight. 
So like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's nothing yeah. there happening between them. Um, but yes, like Chris, Chris has in the past openly dated when he and I first started, he was openly dating another woman and he's been with like what we like to refer to as just situationships. And the reason why we refer to them as situationships is because he was traveling for about the first year of our relationship and he would just Mm -hmm. meet women whenever he was like on the road and he would have like romantic dates with them. It could lead to something physical. It might not. Yeah. And then in terms of John, like John's been openly on dating apps and Mm -hmm. he was seeing women more frequently before COVID, but because of shelter in place and everything else, it's, it's really hard to remain and maintain any kind of like deep connections because it's like, well, where do you go from here? Yeah. Continue having phone conversations. And I mean, that's cool. You know, like I think it allows you to deeply intimate, like it allows you to deeply intimate connect and connect with somebody on a different level, but it's Mm -hmm. definitely not the same as it was Prior feels more contrived, I'm yeah. sure, right? Because like even the energy of people is like one of those things. My husband and I were talking about that. Like if we think that we would have survived as a couple or had we met like on like in an, in a virtual environment when you couldn't really see each other. And we were kind of like, I don't know. Because like it is like our energy, like it's the energy and the presence of each other that can really make the difference. So that makes a ton of sense. I get that this is all kind of new for you guys in terms of like this phase of it. But my big curiosity here is when you started in the relationship with Chris, I know how new relationships are. They're kind of all encompassing. So as that relationship is growing, how did that affect your marriage? And how did that kind of play out within your relationship with John? Like, did he, did, did it start to suffer? Did you start to feel any feelings of like resentment coming home to that? And was there part of you that was like, I, I just... Like, how do you actually decipher? Because I guess for me, I'm working through like my own monogamous thinking and asking these questions. Like, how do you actually manage two relationships? I already find one is like a lot of relationships, yeah, right? Yeah. So, you know, the way that I see it is like, and the way that I describe it to people when they're just like, oh my God, how do you, how do you love more than one? And I'm like, mm. well, how do you love your kids? If you have Not kids fair. and they have different set of needs and they're different personalities, do you love one more than the other? Mm-hmm. And, you know, in my case, in the way that I see my relationships with, with both of them, it's like, they're both two individually different and unique beings and yes. they have a different host of needs that they both need and, and different nuances of, of how I show up differently in that relationship. And so I approach it in the same way as like the way that I would love my kids. I don't love one more than yeah. the other just because one is sweeter than the other. It's just different, yeah. you know, it's just, different. it's just different. And, and John, like, what I love about our relationship, I feel, is like we really, the three of us really balance each other out when we kind of sink into this whole like idea of friend love because John is definitely more of the, he adds levity to the relationship on all mm-hmm. levels. And like Chris is like the intellectual thinker and I'm all about the fucking feelings. And mm-hmm. so it's really beautiful how we all can balance each other's dynamic out because if it's one more than the other, then it gets really imbalanced. You know, you can't have humor all the time. You have to have some intellect and then you can't have intellect all the time. You have to have some feelings to it. So it is like our relationship in some weird way is very mind, body, soul in a lot of the aspects of it. But how do you resolve jealousy? Because <laughs> I'm like, you must be a pro. I'm like, I used to be such a jealous person. And then I realized that jealousy was, and 
and Jean and I have both had like really big conversations about jealousy because we both experience it. We both have dealt with it and, and kind of came to this conclusion where like, unless it was directly impacting our relationship, that jealousy is a natural feeling. And just because you're feeling jealousy and you can express jealousy, you can't necessarily ask the other person to change their behavior based on the fact that you felt jealous, but you are open to have those conversations. You are open to like having those things. And and a lot of this is rooted in like our histories, right? Like not everybody has come from relationships where they had their partner be monogamous to them when they thought they were in a monogamous relationship. We haven't had people, like not everyone has the same history. So a lot of it's comes from past, right? And it, and it's such an interesting conversation as we go on in society, especially with the amount of affairs happening, mm-hmm. the amount of people who are having, di- like you called it ethical monogamy. Yeah. So let's talk about the other side. Like there's there also non- like just ethical. straight up cheating. Yeah. <laughs> there's non-ethical, right. non-monogamy, yeah. right? So yeah. it's an interesting dynamic trying to figure these things out. But jealousy seems to be this, this pit in the middle. And it seems to be like this, this thing that can really capture you and keep you in places. I've seen it with friends who struggle with their significant other, just even following somebody online, or, you know, there's a lot of marriages that like work in the dynamic of like, you don't have friendships with the opposite sex. And I, I would never like, I don't judge any, like, just like I don't judge your relationship choices. I wouldn't judge anybody's, even if it was on the extreme other side, because it's not my relationship to figure out. It's not my dynamics to figure out, but I would love to hear how you've dealt with personally and how your partners have dealt with jealousy within this mix of things that we weren't really ever taught about. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because I don't think I was ever really a jealous person. Really? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think about it and I'm like, that's fantastic ever? for you. <laughs> and you know, here's the thing, like, here's the way that I see it. You know, I, I know for a fact, and it's taken me a while to get here, but I, I know this very true in, in different stages of my like womanhood is that I'm mm. a super unique individual and no one can replace me. So grounding mm. truth, no matter what, yeah. like mm-hmm. I can be, and, and even when I was younger, when I think about like girlfriends, right? Like, like, like think about your relationship with girlfriends, just friends. And mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're like, oh my God, well, she's hanging out with so-and-so. And all of a sudden there's this natural inclination as a woman for you to become jealous of the mm-hmm. other girl. And mm-hmm. for me, I was always mm-hmm. like, well, what if that's her flavor of the month right now? <laughs> like what if yeah. friendship is what's nourishing her in this moment? Yeah. So I think over time, I've, I've just never been jealous of another person. I have mm. been jealous though of experiences. I have felt jealous yes. over FOMO of like missing out or wanting to be the person in that experience with the other person. Right. And so when we deal with jealousy, we really like the way that we see it is like jealousy is a trigger of a whole host of different emotions and ultimately needs underneath of it. And like mm. typically it's insecurity and then a need for safety and a need for belonging is like typically what is underneath of all the jealousy. So I think for us, like we slow ourselves down, we get aware with our thoughts. We're like, oh shit, we're feeling kind of jealous or envious. What is it? Is it Mm -hmm. jealousy or is it envy? Because jealousy typically is also in companionship with like anger and then envy yeah. is in companionship with like sadness. So like, first of all, it's like, mm. let's slow ourselves down. What do we feel? Is it one or the other? And then when we recognize like what that feeling is, we start to ask ourselves a whole host of questions. What is it really that I'm jealous about? Am I jealous of the other person? Am I jealous 
of like the experience do I want to have some more time with? Let's say it's like me getting jealous with like Chris going on a date. Is it the fact that Chris is on a date with another woman? Is it her? Not really her. So it's probably him being on a date with another woman and me wanting that time with him. Yeah. So, um, and this is the same with like John um, as well. And so it's like, what is it that I'm feeling? What am I going through? And then I start kind of leaning into just the idea of abundance of like, well, cool. They can go spend their time together while I can go get my work done or get done. And so, you know, for us, it's like bringing it to awareness, asking ourselves a ton of questions. And then once we're able to like dissect what it is that we're really feeling or the need there, then we can communicate it to the other person in the relationship and say, hey, like, you know, I'm happy that you're having this experience. I'm kind of feeling this certain way about it. I'm going to be okay. What I probably need is reassurance and some time spent with you. Yes. After the fact. And you know what I find so fascinating about this is like, when I look at my history, a lot of times my behaviors in terms of like male friendships, I'm even going to put it just to friendships in terms of like relationships, male friendships were not something that I classically ever had because I always felt if my partner was jealous in any way, then that was on me to correct these things. And once I entered into a relationship with Shane, one of the biggest things is you come with a whole bag of emotional maturity and things that you know you don't like from the before. And a big one for me was like, I don't want to be controlled in these things. I want to be trusted. And when it came into having, and I recognize like one of my best friends is my cousin who is male and our conversations are just so different and they just go off on a different way. And I felt even within that dynamic, I was learning a lot more. So when I actually started having male friendships, it was so interesting to me that I could actually come home to my relationship, my marriage with my husband and be like, oh, like I just grabbed a drink with so-and-so we had the best talk. We talked about this in their life. And like, I learned, I learned so much because they're a male perspective. I was actually as a person being fulfilled by this need. And it also took a second step for me to even like put it in my Instagram stories that I was spending time with a man that was not my husband, Mm. like having to peel back, like this doesn't make me a bad person. Like this doesn't make me an untrusting person. And I'm in a monogamous relationship, right? right? So it was, it's really fascinating when we look at how jealousy has actually shaped us, has shaped our relationships, how many times it's dictated the relationships we have. And recognizing that, you know what, I have so many amazing girlfriends, but sometimes that one guy friend, sometimes it's just the way that they can see things and see the world or have experienced it that can do something to me that changes my heart and changes my mind that it just is a totally different style relationship. And I'm really grateful to be in a place now where I can openly and safely have those friendships. And so I know that's like a curve around what you're experiencing, but it kind of does. I I feel like even the way that you've talked about jealousy, and I know you guys have your own podcast, Hella Mary, Mm -hmm. and you really dive in like super deep on this stuff. (laughs) But like, how's the response been? Like, cause you, we talked about like when you first started talking about this, so like long, long, long ago, when you were young, you were shamed for it. Mm-hmm. So how is it now? You've already built up a fairly strong audience of people who didn't know this of you. Yeah. This relationship that was in the closet of your life for a year and a half is now very public and yeah. very out there. 
And I, I love that you guys have reconciled it so much for yourselves before you ever had to share that with the world, Mm -hmm. because that would be scary. That would be really scary. How has it been? I mean, well, there's a couple of things that I want to also like say, I'll definitely get back to that, but I love that you mentioned about your relationship with your cousin, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. one question that you'd asked me earlier was like, how does my outside relationship actually impact my my marriage? And it's the mm-hmm. same way that you have this experience with your cousin of having mm-hmm. these more expansive thoughts about yes. everything. It's the same type of energy that I get when I come back home with the, with my relationship with like John. And so what you'll typically hear if you actually get into conversation with a lot of people who practice or who are polyamorous and also to like, sometimes it's seen as a practice. Sometimes it's seen as an identity and really it's all up to the person of how they want to choose that. For Mm -hmm. me, I'm, I'm really deeply exploring the idea of it being an identity for me because one of the things that I've realized is when those relationships are fulfilled or fulfilling me, I'm, I feel my brightest and I feel Mm. the most expansive and I feel the most myself. Um, so yeah, when it comes to how I am in my marriage with John, I'm just, I have more space for it. Yeah. I just feel more, I feel more resourced and I feel more alive and I feel more taken care of on my emotional and romantic needs. Um, yeah, so yeah that makes so much sense. Yeah, that's kind of like how that feels in that. In regards to coming out, so going back to like the question of coming out, I mean, it was fucking scary as hell. Yeah, I don't even want to do that. <laughs> I'm scared for what you're going to say happened. I mean, it was scary as hell because, the, you know, for about a, from a little over a year and two months, like me and John were like, okay, well, let's, before we tell the girls, and, and that mm-hmm. was the hardest thing because I, I'm so open with our daughters. I'm, they see mm-hmm. everything inside my internal world and external world. And for them to not know any of this for about a year and a half was just, was, was really eating me up inside. Yeah. Because here I was literally lying to my kids about like where I was going. Oh, I'm going to go hang yeah. out with friends. Or, oh yeah, I'm going to New York because I have a bunch of meetings, but I'm also rendezvousing with Chris, but we're not going to talk about that part. And then having to just like keep that piece quiet was was really difficult for me. And then just like the questions of like, who are you hanging out with again? And I literally like just try to make up some names in my head of who I was hanging out with. And then it was like, you know, my daughters would be like how come you're not showing that you're hanging out with your so-and-so friends on your stories or whatever? And I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, because we wanted an unplugged evening. I mean, it was just so many lies that I had to like. Yeah, that that would start to compile. It was, it was that would be horrible. Hard. It was so hard for me. So coming out to the girls was really difficult. And that was the first piece. And for me, it was like, do I choose between my identity or my family? And what if they don't accept mm. me? And yeah. what if they no longer love me? Or what if they're stuck in this paradigm of, you know, monogamy, because that's all the relationships they've seen too. And that's the only relationship mm-hmm. structure that they've seen their mom and dad in. And yeah, so what if which is fair, like that fear and, and that unknown would be so fair for them to experience. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, for us, it was, that was the first moment and that was really, really scary. And then coming out publicly. And one of the reasons why we were like, we wanted to is because a i just i just wanted to live i just wanted to fucking exist already i just wanted to be myself i wanted to be proud of the relationships that i have because they are so nourishing and to also also feel like people could see the other part of the relationship that john and i have that has been so meaningful mm-hmm. for us 
Yeah. So many people were like, oh my God, I love how open you and your husband are. And we're like, God, if you only knew, like, and it's not about the open relationship part, but if you only knew the reason why we are able to talk like this is because we literally are dissecting and unlearning so many things about our relationship and how we relate oh. to each other. So coming out was really scary. Well, our first like test in the water was coming out in our podcast. And the first two episodes of that telling was really difficult because we had to relive a lot of the painful moments that were kind of already done with. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was like, you know, getting the first wave of people who just didn't understand and people who weren't open to hearing it. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, and there is still some here and there, but there's, there's a lot of slut shaming still. There's yeah. a like, well, how could you be in this relationship? What about John's emotions? What about John's feelings? And like the three of us, and even my daughters are always like, uh, he has autonomy. He can leave if he doesn't want this relationship. 100%. Yeah. And so it's like interesting that like people just go straight to this fairness or justice in a relationship, equality or equity or whatever they want to call it. Mm -hmm. But it was a mixture of relief to finally be out there. And then it was like a, oh shit, do we go back in the closet? Do we hide again? Oh, dang. Like there's definitely moments of that. I I can imagine because I think with any pendulum swinging, there's always going to be resistance before it falls. Right. And, and conversations like yours aren't public there. I've had them with friends. Like I have friends who have been in non um, monogamous marriages and, and had that and had that be part of their practice. And then entered into another relationship that was monogamous and was successful in that. Like, I think there's, I think a lot of people think you either want, you have to be one or you have to be the other. And a lot of times these are just relationship dynamics. Like these are chosen things. And my big thing when it comes to like judgment and shame is one thing that, because I used to be an incredibly judgmental person and I'm very open about that, but come down to, are these people hurting anybody? Like, Mm -hmm. are you hurting anyone? And when you look at the experience, like, no, your kids are doing great. Your husband's doing fantastic. Like you guys have figured you're working through this dynamic. You're married. You clearly are being more fulfilled than you have been in the past. Even, you know, Instagram, Chris is doing great. Who's being hurt here? There isn't, there isn't a core pain while there might be pain in the process. It's hard to place. I feel like it would maybe be a different conversation if you were like, this is what I chose for our marriage. My husband didn't accept it, but I'm just pushing forward with it. And it's like, no, this actually still remained a choice between you. This is still a a decision in which reduced pain for you, if anything. And so there's a lot of that. And I think that that's one thing I've had to kind of come through time and time again, when we look at different relationship structures and we try and struggle to understand them, like, why are they different? Why are they not the way that I would do them? They're not the way that play out in TV shows and movies. And you start to understand that like, but if they're not hurting somebody, like, why are we so upset? Why are we so caught up? Why is our moralities and our own personal ethics suddenly becoming blanket applied to everyone else? Yeah. Right. And, and you guys aren't, aren't hate filled. You're not hurting people. So I think that's like a big reminder for those listening that it's totally okay. If this is not something that you agree with, or if this is not something that would work in your relationships, but 
at the same time, like I'm sitting here and this isn't something that applies to my relationship, but I'm listening and learning about yours. This is your human experience. Mm -hmm. These are your human connections and they're different from mine. And that's so great. I'm so grateful for the opportunity to learn and expand on my own thinking. But this isn't the first time we've actually talked about, you know, poly relationships before, because back early in my podcast, we had a therapist on and she talked about the fact that like, she had somebody in her world that was polyamorous, mm-hmm. but that there was a core relationship that was protected mm-hmm. and that the core relationship is protected and all the other relationships are secondary. I, I'd have to go back to like directly yeah. quote her. There's like primary, but is that, secondary. There's like a- So was primary. that real for you guys as well? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's interesting because like, if you think about it, technically me and John's relationship is the primary. And mm-hmm. if you- speak to John about it, he's going to say, I hate the idea of like a relationship hierarchy. Like he Mm. doesn't like to see Chris as secondary, even though in the technical sense, Chris is secondary. Like he is this- John sounds so great. He is amazing. He really, really is amazing. He just sounds really emotionally mature is what I'm going to say. He's he's definitely a lot more emotionally mature than he was like four years ago. Fair. And it's, it is really incredible. I mean, when, when women are like DMing me and you're just like, oh my God. So hearing your husband talk, like you're giving me hope that my husband can change too. Has he always been that way? I'm like, no sister, he is not no. always been this way. <laughs> it's taken a lot of work on both ends. Like it's also yeah, taken yeah. me to be like, okay, like this is a practice and I got to be patient with it because I know what's going to be on the other side and it's going to mm-hmm. be so much more healing and better if I can just sit into the patience of it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, like there is in some relationship structures, there's like the primary and the secondary and in ours, like, yes, there is that. But, you know, I think, I think John and I and Chris have kind of equally understood that Chris is going to be a long-term partner for me. I was going to ask that. Is this a, is this a long-term yeah. thing or is this? Yeah. Like, I, I mean, in this moment, like there's nothing about this, about my relationship with him that feels like I need to shift it or change it or get rid of it or, you know, feel Mm -hmm. a certain way. Like it's really, really fulfilling. And so, you know, there's been moments where, you know, I've actually like checked in with John. I'm like, what are your thoughts of like, if I consider Chris like a life partner Mm -hmm. and, you know, how do you feel about that? And he was like, I already know he's your life partner. (laughs) He's clearly going to be here for life and he fucking supports our relationship too. And yeah, I mean, the most interesting thing I think about our dynamic is that when John and I will get into a tiff, like sometimes he'll reach out to Chris and Chris will come in and air support him and just be like, dude, so here's what you need to do with Joe. Like, here's how you can work through this. Here's how you can communicate. And John's been there in the same time when Chris was traveling and me and Chris were having, you know, a lot of arguments before. And John would be like, all right, here's what you need to do with her. Like, here's how she handles these things. And so it's just, it is like an interesting and a very highly unique dynamic that I have. Highly unique. Because I guess for me, like you guys, like you and John have this family. And so I would have wondered like, what about Chris? Like, does he also want to pursue that? And how, how does that work out for you guys? Like in the long term? like, could he also go and like, I know that you say that he's also polyamorous as well, but like, yeah, in that long-term thing, does that even come into play for you? Or is this like, you know what, I'm going to focus on my relationship with him and the rest of it is, is out of my control. We do a lot of check-ins. So I think like Mm -hmm. the biggest foundations for a healthy relationship is transparent communication and then frequent check-ins, right? Yes. And when Chris and I got into a relationship together, 
it was very clear. Like, I am not offering you any more children because mm-hmm. I don't want any kids. That's just not yeah. like what I want. I also don't want a relationship where I am going to have like somebody else that I'm splitting finances with. That's just not something I want to do. Fair. I didn't even think of that. Like I already have that with somebody else and I don't need that with another mm-hmm. relationship. Mm-hmm. Again, like I think I was very lucky to find this partner because Chris doesn't want children. He doesn't want any kids. Um, he's very happy being like the cool uncle who comes around. And that's, yeah. I'm very happy with him being that role. I, my, mm-hmm. my girls don't need two dads. That's not what I yeah. want for them. That's not what John and I want. And even there are yeah. times where Iris will joke around, like during our camping trip this last weekend, Iris was like, oh, look, it's my two dads. And the three of us were like, Mm-mm, not your nope. dad. <laughs> <laughs> Love you, Aww. no. Um, and it's great, right? Like it's, it's great that the girls have gotten it's comfortable learning. with that, but it's also like, yeah. no, 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 not your two dads. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think what we've talked about with our relationship is like, there's going to be arcs in our relationship, just like any relationship, right? And you're going to hope that you guys will be emotionally mature enough to work through those arcs together. And that's kind of the mentality that we approach this. We know that there is going to be relationship fluidity within all of us, and it might not always feel... 100% in balance all the time. And that's okay. And we're going to have conversations about what we need and and should needs change. We're going to likely hope that we're all going to be mature enough to talk about what those are. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of like the long-term thing with him. Like it's kind of great because he, again, doesn't want children. So that works out for the best in that that sense. So let me ask you, because I know we're kind of wrapping up on our time here. (laughs) I always have a goal of 35 minutes and I knew that was impossible today. (laughs) When it comes to that initial conversation, had it have gone differently? And I'm asking this for a reason, but had it have gone differently? I know we don't really want to totally go down the Mm -hmm. what if path, but what would have happened for you? Do you think that you could have stayed and kind of absolved that or are like, and kind of kept that part of you amputated? And I'm asking this for my follow-up, which is there's a lot of people listening who are just like you 20 years ago, who had these feelings and knew this part of themselves and struggled with these things and have been shut down and perhaps want to have this conversation with their significant other, bring this conversation up and have to maybe be prepared for not having a John style Mm -hmm. response. So kind of walk through what you think could have happened and uh, what advice you would give. If I think back to several of the first few therapy sessions that we had around this, Mm you know, my therapist had basically sat us down and said, like, is this something that you really truly relate to? And I was like, yeah, I think so. And she even was like, well, I mean, here's the thing. You guys can explore this now or explore this later. If you really feel that this is something that you've thought about for a long period of time and you've just kept it in, then at one point in your life, you're going to want to explore this. You really Mm. are. And at that point, you guys can figure out how you want to maneuver through this relationship. But, you know, you can either go through it now and figure it out or you can wait. And so Mm -hmm. in the very beginning of the conversation, I said to John, look, like, I think this is something that I do want to explore. And whether we're just having this conversation now, awesome. I'm open to just having this conversation. If we don't want to explore it right now, that's also okay. But no, Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to want to bring it up later. Yeah. And it's going to, it's going to happen later. And that's, that's okay too. And so I think, you know, the, what if, what if the conversation didn't go the way that it went? I think like he and I wouldn't be together. 
mm-hmm. right now, if he remained closed-minded, if he wasn't open to just hearing my perspective and my side, and then also working through his own beliefs or like his own just thoughts of the relationship, then we probably would have been stuck on this, okay, well, I'm monogamous and she's not. But after talking it through, you know, he definitely was able to like think about, again, like what I said earlier about the whole compulsive monogamy and thinking about just like, Mm -hmm. wow, people just, we were never taught that we can think about our relationships in a different manner. Yeah, for sure. So I think like it kind of went around in that, in that perspective and, and, kind of went back to just that that thinking of like we've never been taught that we can think differently. So yeah, I think I think it would have been hard. I think we would have separated. And then there were definitely months where or moments where I was like, fuck, we're fighting so much over this. I don't know if we are going to stay together. It's mm-hmm. not because it was about just the we're seeing things differently. It was more of just like there's so much tension. There's so much unlearning. There's so much to learn. There's a lot of pressure. Yeah. And it's not, it wasn't because our views were different. He was very open to seeing it, my view, which was, I mean, beautiful, but it was just a lot of unlearning to do at that moment. Yeah. And relationships like classically, as time goes on, they can often shift into this very roommate style relationship. So a lot of times I think why relationships become stagnant is because it's really hard to bring up stuff. It's really hard. Like it's one thing I've had to learn in my marriage now is like, I don't, we, neither of us like conflict, but we have to understand that we're fighting for something Mm -hmm. and we're fighting actually to create change and having to look at arguments differently and from a different angle. And also understanding that like, had he said to you, you know what, that if we go down that path, that no longer serves my needs that that also could have been an act of love in the two of you having that conversation and navigating. It's not necessarily that he was just wrong or not accepting of you, but also just accepting of his self and his own needs. And I think that that's such an important thing to kind of touch on where it's not like it was your way or the highway. It's just that you're two individual people. It has to work. It has to work for both. Or there is somebody who's falling on the sword for the other. And eventually as I learned in many of the therapies, resentment builds. And when resentment builds, it's, I remember when I went to a marriage counselor in my last marriage, and and that was the big thing is when resentment sets into your relationship, it's almost impossible to heal Mm -hmm. out of it. It's not impossible, but it is almost impossible. It's very, very hard to get yourself out of a place of resentment. So for that part two of the question, how would you, um, now going through it and having navigated this so deeply and so in such a big raw way, what would you say to those who have recognized this, who have been struggling with this for a long time, maybe want to start having these conversations? How can they start approaching them? Do they start themselves first? Do they start with a therapist or do they start just really getting in with their significant other? I think it's a combination of all, but I think first off, it's getting really deep with yourself first. And kind of just understanding what that feels like, what that looks like to explore these thoughts, what it might look like to explore yourself, even just this dynamic of thinking. What does that mean for you? And then I think a therapist for sure, finding like other people who might be exploring non-monogamy and and just getting support that way and then yeah, yeah. roping in your significant other or like maybe maybe it's something that you guys do together which is the same thing that me and John did and i think doing that together was really helpful because then we were able to work through it together and have the questions that we're asking together rather than like separately and so i think like you can kind of 
I mean, choose your own adventure at this point, you know, like yeah, on this road. But I definitely think the first one is, is to be honest with yourself about it. And then if you need the additional support, go find the additional support. But if you want to be honest with yourself and then be honest with your partner, then for sure, have the most loving and patient conversation. And then know that like, you are coming in with a sledgehammer. (laughs) So this conversation might be different and also could potentially break things open Mm. um, and also potentially destroy things. So there's just so many factors to it. And I think if you can let go of the idea of what the outcome could be, Mm. then you can lean into anything can be the outcome. And like, yeah, like you enough. said, like, you know, it could have been really beautiful if he let me go as well. Yeah. Like that could have been an, another act of love. And I think that is another act of love too, right? To just be yeah. able to simply say, wow, I, I love you and I respect you and I love myself too. And I want to mm. transition our relationship into something different outside of marriage. Different. And so, yeah, I think, I think it can go any other way. Ugh. This has been such a cool conversation. Honestly, you're so well-spoken on this. I know you've lived it and that's why, but this is clearly the tip of the iceberg. But tell everyone where they can find you, where they can kind of get to know you a little bit more, see your relationship and and hear your stories. Yeah, you can find me at GoFitJo, G-O-F-I-T-J-O on Instagram, my website, GoFitJo.com. You can also find us on Hella Married, where we just talk about all things sex, relationships, communication, parenting, and everything else in between. And I think that's pretty much it on the internet. Oh, well, you're doing some really transformative stuff. And I know that you must have so many DMs from people who, as much as you get the hate, you've got to have a lot of love coming into. And I just want to thank you for sharing. I know this is such a huge new topic for so many. And, and for you, it's it's been your life. So I just really appreciate you coming on and being so vulnerable and sharing your story with us. So oh, thank, thank you, you so having- much. Yeah. And uh, to everyone listening, go and check her out. I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you to tune in as well. And this is a whole new part of her story that we're only learning about now, but get to know her, get to know her story, get to understand these relationships. And maybe we all can kind of learn together about just being a lot more open-minded to the differences that exist in our society. And uh, we'll we'll see you next week. Yeah. And you know what? I'm also open to conversations about it. If there's anything that's amazing, like I am the queen of messy conversations, clearly, and hard conversations (laughs) relationship. So I I welcome them. And if for any listeners, if you guys are like, fuck, I don't know, I'm really confused about all this, like feel free to send me a loving, caring DM or email and we can Mm -hmm. chat and and we can work through it. And I'm totally open to that. Thank you. That was so kind of you. So yeah, yeah, there you go. There's your offer. And uh, yeah, we'll be back next week. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at The Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then.